You and I are told increasingly we have to choose between a left or right. Well, I'd like to suggest there is no such thing as a left or right. There's only an up or down. This is the No Doubt About It podcast. No doubt about it. And now your hosts, Christy and Mark Runcetti. Well, actually, for the first time, we're not pairing up on this. There's no Christy. So, Els is joining me. Uh, there we go. He's going to look at the at the shot, Els. Let's go. Yeah, there we go. There she is. Uh, Christy is not here today. She is actually up in Colorado. Uh, her dad is not doing great and so we as a family were up there uh helping out that situation she's still up there with him and he's doing better now he's he's, he's getting into a better spot but but he had some health complications so as uh, a great daughter that she is she's helping him out else right am i right on this you're right yes and thanks for thanks for giving me a, a little bit of a co-hosting situation here yeah of course well we had a tough deal because um as we came back and flew back into town. Uh, we ran into a, a more, um, I would say, shenanigans at the airport and on the plane uh, as we came in here. And one of those shenanigans was, well, your sister didn't have a boarding pass. <laughs> and that kind of oh, held that us up. Yeah. That was a little tough. It's a little tough. And we got right up there and uh, no boarding pass for Ava. But uh, we did manage to figure that out with the uh, TSA right on the spot. But then we get on the plane and, and we fly to Albuquerque. And we land. And this, I got to admit, I had not heard this one happen before. Had you seen this happen before? With, um, with, yeah. You've I had mean, the music situation? Yeah, where they play really, really, really bad music. Yeah, so, so we yeah. land and somebody on their phone. No, did, it wasn't on their phone, was it? Oh, I think so. I thought it was the plane. Oh, no, 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 no. It was somebody on their phone right behind you. Oh. So they, they just turned their phone on. And instead of playing it through their earbuds, they just played it for the whole for the whole plane. Yeah. So we were, you know, three quarters of the way back, and all of a sudden, this happens. Yeah, that's the guy with the iPhone right behind you. No. Yes. No, it was the plane. I'm telling you, it was a guy right behind you with his iPhone. Wow. So yeah, that's and so bad. well, I, I I was waiting for him to flip on the earbuds or whatever. I was like, come on, but he didn't do it. But again, that's not half as bad yeah. as the charge from the back of the plane on this flight too. So we're sitting in our seat. I know. I, I just don't understand how in the world this is not punishable by some sort of prison sentence. And that is because when you are in the back of the plane and you go running up as soon as the plane lands and go in front of people, these three people that you see right here just jumped right in front. They were in the back of the plane. They go right in front or elbowing their way up. Okay. There is no, you know, connect, tight connection on this flight. They just came barreling right up and it just drives me crazy. So I have to, Ella, the next time this happens, I got to stop it down. And I got to say to them, can I ask you a question? Are you of the belief that you have to get off this plane more quickly than anybody else? Is it your belief that you are entitled to just cut in front of the line and go do what you need to do? Like, did you think they realize how rude it is to do this? I'm so, I can't stand this. I don't think, I, the thing is, is I saw them get off the plane and I think they actually live here. Oh, so, I think they absolutely live so here. So it's not like and they were actually, catching another flight. I will say, yeah, you're exactly right, by the way. And I think they were actually, at least two of the people, seemed like they were very nice. Yeah. Yeah, the one girl was, Ava sneezed. And she said, bless you. And she said, bless you. She was nice. She was very nice. She and I felt like it. stopping it down going, wait a minute, we got a problem here. You're doing something that is incredibly offensive. But you're nice. You're but nice you're, person. but you seem like you're really nice. Yeah, I know. So that's a little bit. Of like, but so the question is, how embarrassed would you be if I, the next person who does this, I go, oh, da, 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 da. hold on a sec. Can you please answer this question for me? Do you really think it's okay for you to come plowing up from the back of the plane and cut in front of people? I would probably be a little bit embarrassed if you decided to like stop somebody yeah. in the middle of the day, yeah. and tell them to stop doing what they're doing. I feel like nobody does that anymore. 
You know? Oh, no, I think everybody does that now. Really? So I've oh, even- my gosh. Look how many fights there are on planes. Another shocking incident on a plane as two passengers duke it out right before takeoff. I want help. This guy's crazy. It's terrible. I mean, everybody just starts letting loose now. Or they I- just like leave the plane. Well, or they leave the plane, of course. Well, most people just kind of keep quiet and leave the plane. I don't want to create a big issue here, but I'm just saying, like, the fights on airplanes now are out of control. Or even in movie theaters. Oh, my movie gosh. Movie theaters yeah. are severe, yeah. too. I know. Yeah. I know. Well, I mean, everybody's on the edge right now. Everybody's on the edge emotionally. What do you think that is? The weather? No, I don't think it's so. Don't you dare blame the weather. Don't you dare. That's <laughs> because it was hot. Didn't no, yeah. no, we were joking around about Channel 4 blaming the weather for violent crime, like people pulling out pistols. Yeah, no, that I don't think it's the weather. I think there is a, I think we have, uh, we we are as a country, and I think we as a state are on edge. There's no doubt. We have, look how often we're talking about random shootings on the highway. Look how often we're talking about young kids that are getting in the middle of crime situations, 13 year old kids being charged with murder. I mean, this is really, we are at a point now where, where, where crime is in, in frayed nerves are at an all time high. It really is a big deal. And I, and believe me, walking up on a plane doesn't, doesn't fit into that. Right. Yeah. But, but it's a concern. And that's why I always tell you guys, I tell you and your sister, it's like, don't go seeking conflict because you don't know what someone's, what someone can do. do. Yeah. You don't know who's got a gun. You don't know what they're going to do. I mean, obviously the, everything that happened at the movie theater, you know, a month or so ago, I mean, that's a tragedy. You know, you don't think someone's going to pull out a gun at a movie theater and shoot you because you're in their seat. I mean, yeah. it's craziness or, you you know, it's, you accidentally cut somebody off in traffic and they start unloading bullets into your car. I mean, this is a really, I don't know how we ended up down this path. Ella. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what, what are you talking about planes? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what kind of hosts we are together. Ella. I don't know yeah, what's it's happening. Little, it's a little aggressive. It, it got a little, uh, it got a little strong there, but, uh, but no. And, and so look, we, we had a, uh, interesting flight, but it was good. And, and mom is, is taking care of business with, with her dad. So. Uh, we're playing for her, obviously. And so we do want to do some five stars. Else? Yeah. Okay. Yes, we do. Yeah, we do. And uh, first five star um, comes from Active Albuquerque. says, I like listening to the podcast. I find it a good balance between entertaining and informative. And that's exactly what we're going for. We want to inform and entertain. That's the whole thing. That's the magic, Else. That's the magic. And that's why we do it. <laughs> Uh, and then there is issues relevant to New Mexico. Uh, and this is... Uh, the bloom says, I hear you, but I fear that the message is falling on deaf ears. We keep returning the same people to elective office and expect a different result. Keep at it. Maybe MLG won't pick out her plane after all, but don't bank on it. It's for the kids, you know, which is kind of funny because we've talked a lot about that. So MLG saying one of the reasons she's getting a plane is it's for the kids is for the for the uh, visually impaired kids. So I think that that's while that's a possible uh Part-time use, I think it may have other uses. But we do appreciate you guys uh, rating the podcast and anywhere you can rate it, uh, subscribe, especially on YouTube. We continue to see more subscribers there. We're getting a lot of people on Instagram. You can check out Mark Ronchetti NM on Instagram, and and that's blowing up as well. So we appreciate it. There's There's been a lot to be excited about with the podcast. On this episode, I'm going to talk to Fior Hernandez from Victory News. She just got back from the border. And she saw some amazing stuff and, and she goes through some description on this stuff and she saw just, you know, a ton of people coming to the border and she describes what that was like. She had some exchanges back and forth with some of these people and she has some of that on tape. We'll play some of that for you. It, it, it really is one of these scenarios where, you know, you don't hear much about it from the mainstream media. So you think oh, it must be more under control now. It is not under control in any way, shape or form. And, and unfortunately, I think you see that in what Fior uh, found. And so we'll talk to her coming up here in a bit uh, in just a few minutes. Um, but one thing I want to start with is this the the kind of this general feeling in the country, even in the state of New Mexico, that COVID restrictions are coming back. And we're hearing more and more about these things and, and, and more and more issues with this. And one thing I found absolutely ironic, and else this is clip three. And we want to play this. We're just going to play the start of this clip from you. It's it's a it's a story from CNN, and it actually talks about the fact that COVID restrictions have finally been lifted in one of the most COVID conscious countries in the world. 
Now, if I were to tell you what are the most COVID-conscious countries in the world, you may come up with Canada. Portions of the U.S. obviously had those issues. And then there's one country here that we're going to get to. China was obviously quite COVID-conscious as well with their zero-COVID policy. But then there's one country that really takes the cake. Well, they have finally decided to lift COVID restrictions. Take a look. It's a back on the global stage. Its taekwondo team headlined at the opening ceremony of the World Championships in Kazakhstan this month, believed to be the first overseas sporting engagement since its borders reopened. Pyongyang confirmed its borders are reopening to allow citizens stranded outside the country for more than three and a half years to return, one week quarantine required on arrival. North Korean restrictions were among the harshest in the world. It is considered one of the last countries to reopen its borders. And even then, they're only opening a crack with some international flights resuming with China and Russia. Okay, so the country that has taken COVID to a level that I think some people in this country wish we did is North Korea. North Korea, the most backward, totalitarian, vicious country in the world that that makes their people suffer under the hammer of a tin pot dictator more than any other country in the world is finally saying we're going to we're going to pull up on those covid restrictions and, and this just shows you this is truly totalitarianism and, and going and trying to say to each person you can possibly say something to you do this you do this you do it our way you do what the government says and you keep your mouth shut that's what north korea is all about and to say and to see what they've done is unbelievable and when you look back and you say who's the country that has kept COVID restrictions in place the longest, has been the most harsh, is the most backward totalitarian country in the world in North Korea. And we have people in this country who wish we were COVID zero from the beginning to end and still wish we had mass mandates and still wish we had major league issues with COVID. And so what we have now is... I think largely a country that has decided that we're not going to accept the fact that there's going to be more masking and things like that. In fact, Texas has banned mask mandates. They've gone out and said, wait a minute, you know, you're not going to do this. And so the state of Texas has been pretty aggressive in doing that. And again, some of these other restrictions in other states are still likely to be expanded a little bit, but there is some pushback here. And we were actually over the past Oh, gosh, four days. We were up in Colorado for for family stuff. And it's interesting. And else, you know, we have one clip on this, too. You know, it's some interesting stories that have come out in Colorado. And and basically what Colorado has come to the you know conclusion of is you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't. You don't. I will say uh, I saw more masks in Colorado than I do in New Mexico. We, we did we did see that. But uh, the article that you're seeing here on CPR News basically says, you know, while a few more people are wearing masks and everything else, even though there's an, a slight upswing in cases, this is not something that is, is going to lead likely to big time lockdowns and things like that. I, I mean, I just don't see any way that, that that's a possibility. And what was interesting is there's an article that came out in the Daily Mail. And what you'll see is. It's an interesting study. There it is. Mass study published by the NIH, which suggests that's the National Institute of Health, that COVID-95 and N95 masks may be dealing with dangerous levels of toxic compounds linked to seizures and cancer. Now, do you think the mainstream media is going to talk about that and say, wait a minute, we got to be really careful here and how many masks people are wearing? Of course not. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to touch on any of that. We're not going to get involved in any of that. The reason why? Because it doesn't fit the narrative. So therefore, we have to pull that aside, even though there's a very good chance that you're doing more harm than good by wearing a mask everywhere you go. So it's a huge deal. Obviously, it's your personal choice. If you want to do that, have at it. Never bothers me when I see someone in a mask. Sometimes I chuckle when like they're out riding their bike with a mask on. I don't know how you do that because I don't know how, as you start to need more oxygen, I don't know how you, how you start hauling that oxygen through an N95 mask, but hey, that's the way it goes. And the president's wife, the Dr. Jill Biden, she has COVID now. And so uh, Biden is going to start masking again, apparently. That's, that's the latest news that we've heard from the Hill. And so he 
is ready to roll. So there it is. He tested negative, and he will mask around others. So there you go. Big Joe is going to throw on the mask. And I, I want to get to one other thing before we get to Fjord. And that is that, and, and I'll maybe talk to Fjord about this a little bit as well. That is the fact that the vo- uh, latest numbers have come out from the Wall Street Journal. They have a new poll out. And this, the polling numbers are unbelievable on looking at how do the American people view Joe Biden and Donald Trump? How do they feel about them? Uh, well, they don't like either one of them. I mean, it's just, it is, the numbers are rough. They, and they're, they're at a dead heat as well, by the way. They're basically at 45, 45, 46, 46 in, the, uh, in this latest poll. And, and Biden is, is, I think that, it's one clip here. If you're watching us on YouTube, if you look right in the middle of your screen, and we will ask Fior about this, uh, but the poll sheds light on Biden's major liabilities, his age. More than half of the respondents think Biden is not mentally up for the job as president. Not mentally up for it. He doesn't have the capacity to handle it. That's devastating. And then the number below is even more devastating. 70 plus percent believe the 80-year-old president is too old to run again. He's toast. He's absolutely toast. I, you can't have those kind of numbers. And so the question is going to be, how does this play out in the next six months? I think we are headed for a massive change in the next six months. And I think the presidential race is going to look nothing like it does now in six months. And I'll talk to Fior about that, too. So it's just unbelievable. So if you look at these numbers, it's just staggering, staggering to watch. And obviously, and we now know that, you know, the legal system is is aligned to make sure that President Trump is not does not get reelected. And with all the stuff going on there, it's it's ridiculous and, and it's terrible for the country. And I don't care what party you're in. It's horrendous for the country. But that that's going to move ahead. So I just think so much is going to change. And we'll talk to Fior about that. And then after we're done with Fior, we have a couple more stories for you. So let's go ahead now and, and we will get to Fior Hernandez. She just got back from the border. We'll talk to her. And then we'll be back with you after that in just a few minutes. You're listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. Back to your hosts, Christy and Mark Ronchetti. Okay, it is my honor in Christy's absence, by the way, Fjord. She is she's tending to her dad, and so she is not here in this episode. So I appreciate you joining me from Victory News. And Fjord, you've joined us before. We talk about all sorts of different issues, and we're excited to talk to you because you just got back from the border. So yeah. I have to ask, first of all, your overall impressions of, first of all, where were you? And then what do things look like right now? I think there's this thought that because of you know, the media's lack of coverage, things have gotten better. And in fact, they've probably gotten worse. Right. And when you have, uh, again, as we've discussed in the past, an administration, of course, speaking of the Biden administration, uh, continuing to try and redefine what illegal immigration and what an illegal immigrant is, because they keep creating these uh, different uh, terms uh, that just creates an umbrella to allow illegal immigrants into the United States. Um, legally, if, if there's such a thing, but we've talked about it. We've talked about the CBP-1 app. We've talked about all these other ways and even asylum seekers in the process of how all of that is going down. Uh, but the fact is, and this is not just Fiore's opinion, right? This is also from boots on the ground organizations there, whether it be faith-based or uh, or sheriffs that we've spoken to and and, and the, the people there, the authorities there, a lot of them are not allowed to speak much. But bottom line is this, the numbers are not okay going down in the way that the administration is trying to portray to the masses. Uh, and, and it's just the numbers are the same or increasing. Right. Okay, it's just that they're using the, a different term for what illegal immigrant really means. And as you stated in your in your uh, first uh, intro to me, uh, I think uh, until people really start to see what is really going on down there, whether it be uh, as you did, you and Christy going down there yourselves, right. Right. Um, or watching alternative uh, media. Okay, yep. because we know the national media is not covering it the way that they should. So, so that's the reality. 
uh, market. It is still it is still high. It's a situation as I I stood there and as just before my my live shot the one day the, the day before saw a group coming in of about twelve or thirteen. Uh, and then that one day, just about, I was about to go live and, and a group started uh, about maybe uh, 50, 20, 20, 25. Then it started yeah. growing and then let's, they rushed. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's see this. Now, if you're going to take this clip and we're just going to play this and, and we'll, we'll kind of show you, this is the, Ava, we're going to go to clip number one here. And in and, and the clip we want to show is, is you sort of talking to these guys, figuring out what's going on. So, so let's take right. that clip. We'll listen to it and then we'll get you to comment on it after. Thank you. $1,500 each to get to the U.S. When I asked to who, they avoided detail, claiming cartels in Mexico stole from them and threatened their lives if they said too much. This man lifting up this boy with a nose blade. A smaller group holding up their Bible and thanking God that they arrived. Some said they wanted to go to New York City. And when I shared that Mayor Eric Adams says he cannot shelter any more of them there, they insisted that they will go anywhere as long as it is in the United States. Wow. Okay. So describe that for us, what, what that looked like for you. Big groups, obviously, you see mix of men. You don't know if that child is his child, right? Right. I, yeah. So, so explain what happened there. Right. And that's part of part of the hard situation there that, it, again, it's such a dynamic, which, again, I stress the point of obviously not everyone uh, is going to be able to go down to the border and experience it right there firsthand. But but I, I saw a mixture of all of what we talk about all the time, constantly manifesting right before my eyes. For example, that group uh, began to come down, as I stated earlier. First, it was a group of 20, you know, then it's 50, then it's, you know, and they're rushing down. Uh, and you're like, whoa, they're coming over from Piedras Negras no matter what. It doesn't matter that uh, Border Patrol and, and Texas DPS is here. It doesn't matter. They are coming, right? And so when they begin to speak to you and you ask questions like, okay, um, how much did you pay? And who did you pay that to? And what have you heard? A lot of what I was getting, and that this is what's difficult. They're all speaking at the same time. They're all trying to get their message out to you at the same time because they feel they see the cameras. They feel that that is going to help them to get in uh, faster right, and get their message out. And so uh, I'm looking at these children. I want to ask. I've, I even asked, you know, are, are, is that your daughter? Is that your son? Some would answer yes. Some would just avoid my question. But one of the things that I found very interesting in that group is that Again, you had a mixture of uh, people from Venezuela, uh, Ecuador, and um, and and there were two very suspicious individuals embedded, one in the group, and then the other one was across over in Piedras Negras. And interestingly enough, he seemed to be accompanied by Mexican military officials. So you had this group of people. Uh, telling you uh, that the Mexican officials are involved, that there's corruption, there are all of these allegations all at once. Right. Uh, they return back there, they're going to kill them, that the cartels kidnapped them and stole their money. I mean, it, it was very intense, if I had to use one word. So, Fiora, what's one of the interesting things is, and we saw this too when we went to Mexico, and I think people in the U.S. don't totally grasp the fact that there is some real corruption here not only with maybe the mexican government but but with the cartels that this is big business for them right you mentioned in your piece there these guys are all paying money to yeah. get access in here so first of all when you saw this happening those 50 people come in where did they go did they cross did they get in what happened and I love that question, Mark. Thank you for it, because this is the this is the deal. We know that they're going to be allowed in. OK, we know that we know that because of the process that we've been following from this administration and and their humanitarian, so-called humanitarian way of handling this uh, this crisis at the border. Indeed, it is a crisis. Right. So when you look at I, when I looked at them, I waited there as long as I could, right? We had our live shop. We had other interviews to do. We had things, but calculate this because this is what I've been in my head. I got there and when I got there, they had already been waiting maybe two, three hours, allegedly, right? Uh, I'm there for another maybe four hours, right? right? Total. Okay. And even as we packed up and we're ready to go, they were just told to move from one side of the river down a little further for processing. 
but still not fully allowed in. But eventually we waited and we waited. And later on into the night, we saw the buses leaving. I, I'm not sure if it's Meaning a leaving coordinated... coming into the United States. Right. Right. Because yeah. they go in for processing in right. front of the cameras. And I can only speak from that one experience. Right. And, and maybe other times that I've been there. But this one was the most vivid where I could see it maybe from beginning to end, where I saw the people rushing down from Piedras Negras crossing right before my eyes. Right. And then waiting there. Right. Um but I have to I have to tell you, all we saw was one minute they're behind me on camera. We're watching them. We're doing what we need to do. And then next thing you know, we see we see officials telling them to just move a little further down. Yeah. And then that and then when we drive down because it's covered, some areas are covered. You're not able to see everywhere, mm-hmm. but they were moving them down to a, the port of entry. All right. And so what do you think it's going to happen? I can't say that I witnessed anybody cutting the wires and letting them in. But I have to say the next day, right before our live shot, we we just got there and we saw maybe three, three young men uh, being kind of like lifted out. And then suddenly when our cameras showed up, we didn't really see the full, oh, you know, and then we saw them putting the, the barbed wire back up. Okay, so if I understand this correctly, you guys, you see this huge group of people, you see them go down the river a little bit for quote processing, and then the nothing, you know, you don't really know what happens. And then the next day, they're magically gone. Right. Right. But you do see the uh, the Border Patrol, the, the white vans, you know, right. they, take, they take them in the vans. They, they take them to the tents and, yeah. and, and all of that and, and for processing, which, again, is, is their way of of saying, well, this is the humanitarian way to do it. But think about this. You're talking about seven to ten hours waiting. And yeah. when I show that video of the child, uh, you know, with the nosebleed, uh, you know, this is not to say, oh, my goodness, this is why we have to let everybody in. This is to show the reality of what you're calling humanitarian. Is it really, though? Right. Um, and and yeah, is drawing, it, yeah. drawing vulnerable people to an uncertain future is not compassionate. It's cruel. I no, mean, it's it, not. we've said that before and, and you see it and we, we show this video in, in video clip after video clip, we've seen it on Fox. We've seen it on victory. You guys have talked about it all the time that this is a point in time. Now where, where to say this is compassionate in any way is ridiculous to say it's competent in any way is ridiculous. But, but if you're, it sounds to me like we're still seeing more than anything else, a hardcore PR effort designed more than anything else to keep a lid on what the American people know while they just keep the back door wide open. Absolutely. And again, and again, it's redefining uh, what we're calling an illegal immigrant now. If if they apply for asylum through the, for example, CBP, CBP one app uh, and they get in and they have their their paper papers <laughs> now right. they don't they're not counted as an illegal crosser uh, you know and and this is where again i say it's the sheriffs for example the sheriffs that are there dealing with this face to face for example we spoke with uh kinney county sheriff um brad cole who's very uh outspoken about about this situation and 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 i mean and he tells me if you're we're about to break a thousand in in the number of smugglers that we've apprehended in this area, and we don't even have an official port of entry here in Kinney County. Yeah, sure. Right? sure. So, so he so he says these are the numbers that no one. How could you tell me that the numbers are? What about the gotaways, Mark? You know, this, this is this, yeah. you know, <laughs> and yeah, and no. see them every day, every day, every night. This is this is happening every day, yeah. every night. Yep. Couple so, times, yeah. Tell me where you think things are, and there's been a lot made of. I want to. I want to ask you about two different dynamics. And right. one, you kind of talked to the to the group uh, that that you spoke to as well, or at least you referenced it in your victory story. And that is, I think we have two different areas of conflict here that most people hear about. One is Greg Abbott's conflict with Joe Biden, right. and now we also have a conflict with. Joe Biden's own, you know, governor of New York, for example, his same political party governor uh, of New Jersey is now having an issue with this. The the mayor of New York is now having an issue with this. So we're getting some real pushback. What are you hearing on the ground in Texas? Abbott versus Biden. Is it continuing to run as hot as it has been? Right. Well, obviously, yes, we we went over to um Again, from Eagle Pass, we went over to the area where the pecan farm is owned by the Urbina uh, Urbina family. Um, and that area they had rented from uh, 
Border Patrol, they had rented from the federal government, taxpayer funded, right. uh, for the for the summer months, the hottest summer months. They had rented a portion of their land right there uh, along the Rio Grande uh, to the CBP, right, to allow them to do the processing in a more, again, humanitarian way. And uh, Abbott sent over. Uh, his guards. And he said, no, wait a minute, what you're doing here is illegal. It's trespassing. So that became a bit of a tug of war there between them. And uh, that's where the floating buoy uh, buoy barrier uh, is located, or at least where it started, right? What I I saw there, though, is almost um, there's a conflict uh, also within, for example, the Urbinas, the owners of that farm, are supporters of Abbott. They supported Abbott. They voted uh, for Abbott. Uh, but when they started to to see this uh, in what they describe as causing harm to to their land and to the to the way that they want to operate their their pecan farm and, and their business, now they're saying, "Wait a minute, we don't like the way this is going down. It's not humanitarian enough, right?" So now they're, they're yeah. They're against that. And and moving to New York. So you see places that have said, oh, sanctuary cities, come one, come all. Oh, this is OK. Why? Because it's not knocking on your door. It is not right at your, at your doorsteps. Right. And so many criticize uh, Governor Abbott and others, DeSantis in Florida, for going ahead and busing. And, and, and the legalities around that, we've had constitutional attorneys on Victory News that have said, hey, that's not that's not good either, that they shouldn't be doing that either. But 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 to your question is, oh, sanctuary cities, come one, come all. I witnessed that group telling me they wanted to go to New York. Right. It was New York. It was uh, Chicago. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting here saying, well, what, what would you say if I told you? Have you heard that that New York City does not want you there because they cannot house you? Like, what have you heard the situations are like there? Right. What are you believing you're going to find? And so and those are the kinds of conversations you get into. But you're seeing them. Uh, the mayor is fighting the governor over in, in, in New York City and in, in New York. Why? Hate. They themselves, yeah. they got themselves in a situation they cannot get themselves out of now. And the federal government certainly isn't helping, as you know. So, yeah, absolutely. No, this is this is heading to a very interesting point because and we can get into this and we'll kind of transition this into the presidential race at least a little bit but but really we're getting to a point now where this is obviously going to be a huge issue in the presidential race yeah. there's no way to hide this you know president biden's not going to fix it Mayorkas yeah. is not going to fix it they're not interested in doing that they they've shown that and and i do think you mentioned something that's kind of interesting which is this is not always one side or the other there are human beings involved here and and you saw that when you saw them walk up you have people that genuinely do want a better life and 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 for those of us who've had parents or grandparents that came here from another country we can understand that that's what that's the american dream but it's just what we have to be able to do is create a system that creates some certainty for people and right now the chaos of an administration like the Biden administration is leading to more and more problems here. So if you had to kind of give us a kind of a put a bow on this, on where you think it's going in the next six months, do you think it's going to be status quo? Texas kind of battles it out with the feds and and maybe even other states like New York eventually go to Biden and say, you got to stop this. Or, or do you think maybe there is a, a different approach they're going to take? Could we see a return to a more robust stay in Mexico policy? Where, where do you think any of this is going? Well, I, I like that you say that to return to a more robust stay in Mexico policy because we already know uh, what candidate all of that is pointing to. Okay, right, that, that's undeniable. We know that whether whether you like him, whether you don't like him, disagree or agree, like his tweets or don't like his tweets. The bottom line is, we know that it was a different situation. The sheriffs agree. Many many agree. All right, and that's that. But I do believe uh, to the start of your question that we, I believe, status quo. Mark, I believe status quo, uh, to be honest. Unfortunately, I almost believe like it's going to get it's going to get a little worse Um, because, again, it it takes for you to be there and see it in a blink of an eye happen, rushing uh, the rushing of of people just and nothing stopping them, even where the where the floating um, barrier is. 
Right. Oh, yes, it's there. And I'm not saying that it's not working. OK, it is deterring. And again, according to, to Sheriff Coe, it is deterring because it's pushing them to areas where they're they're able to apprehend them easier, according to the sheriff. But when you when you again, you look and you look at the footage, even from officials, they just go around. Yeah, they go around. They go further down. So do, do I see it? I see a status quo, Mark. Um, and unfortunately, I do see it getting getting worse before we begin to have serious conversations about how this is going to change. And again, it has to, it has to start from the top. Right. The, 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 the administration as it stands is actually perpetuating the situation where the, obviously they're not going to admit that they don't even admit that it is a crisis. Right. They're calling this humanitarian. So I would say we need, we need a change and we, and we need it and we need it to be drastic. Mark. Right. It, it needs to be no, drastic. I, it does. You know, it makes sense in, in this president. Look, presidents make mistakes all the time of all of parties. And, and some of them actually course correct. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. this president has not shown that ability in any yeah. way, shape or form, has no interest in, yeah. in trying to solve this problem. Now, in all reality, if you are, let's kind of get into the, the presidential race a little bit. You guys talk about it a lot on Victory News. Um, and I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about where we're going with this thing, because w with President Biden, I, I think that, you know, I, I do believe the more you see him talk and I want to give you an example. And this was today. OK, mm -hmm. I think this was actually it was today. Ava, we're going to go to um, clip eight. So uh, earlier today, President Biden was handing out uh, a medal to honor uh, one of our one of our soldiers. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's the you know, it's the Medal of Honor. So a huge, huge deal. Now, the way these things usually work, the president comes out, says a few words, puts the Medal of Honor on. They, they'll finish up the, the whole deal. They'll, they'll either say a prayer. They'll, they'll do all sorts of different things. Depends. But usually after it doesn't end with the president handing out the Medal of Honor and then poof, disappearing. But mm -hmm. but take a look right here and, and how this plays out. And, and, and you can see it here. But we'll I think what we'll see here is I think we can take the sound full Ava, on this as well. Let's just take a look at this and 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 then we'll get some we'll get some comment from you for uh, right after it's done. Okay. He puts it on and he's walking out. He's just gone. He's just gone. Now, and then they go back. Watch the camera go back and they're like, uh, uh right. um, in this. Yeah. What the heck is going on? And then, you know, if you remember back to. This was not the poor guy with the Medal of Honor. <laughs> okay, well, it looks like I'm hosting this thing now. And, and, and then the thing that's interesting is, it's not, and gentlemen, this was not join the me. only, um, yeah. it's not the only time this has happened. If you remember back the MSNBC interview mm. that, that Biden was part of um, with, I think it was Nicole Wallace. Right. And it will pull that up. Uh, he goes into that one and finishes the interview and then, as everybody knows, yes. who does a television interview, you wait till the anchor goes and, and tosses to break. You will then take off your microphone. You'll, you'll then say to the anchor, hey, thanks a lot. Great stuff. Joe Biden, at one point in his life, knew this. And, mm -hmm. uh, but the problem is, and here it is here, and we'll just, we'll just watch this as it happens. Like, this is live on the air. Uh, he's just walking right off the set. Nicole Wallace is laughing because she knows uh, what the heck is going on here. That's and that's painful. the end of that. So this, again, what I'm getting at here is, look, th there's, no more, there's, there's no more interference that can be run for someone who's, who is having the issues that this president is having. Mm -hmm. So do you think, first of all, that he ends up being the nominee? Do you think he runs for reelection? Or, or do you think that this just is continuing to deteriorate to a point where we're going to be looking at something else? Yeah, I think it's so interesting that we are continuing to have this conversation again, not just on your platform, but even on Victory News. And as you know, uh, you know, Mike Garofalo has the opinion that he will not be the nominee. And we have a, we have a, quite a few people that do believe that as well. And, and I'm going to say I don't think he's going to be the nominee at this point because of all of this, um, this, this piling up of things that keep happening and how now his own party is beginning to talk about the elephant in the room, if you will. Uh, his age. And again, I'm not, this is not ageism here. I am not saying that people are not competent. Uh, uh, well, no, hey, Fjord, there are plenty of people that are in their late seventies that are competent. Absolutely. He's just not one of them. 
Absolutely. And, 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 and it's time that they are just honest about the situation and, uh, and, and do the right thing. Right. But I think, and I don't know if it's pride operating in him or, or what is going on, but I mean, or do you think he, he do you think he wants to, to, to give this all up already and be done? Didn't, I, wasn't he quoted recently saying he was tired? Well, uh, don't I, here's me, the thing. Yeah. And I'll say this. Um, <laughs> I've heard through people who are in the middle of it, his world that yeah. it is Jill Biden who who loves this, wow. who loves wow. this. And and by the way, you talk about the age thing. Uh, if you look at the latest numbers on this, 73 percent of Americans say that he is too old to be president of the United States. That is a devastating number. I don't yes. know how you get around that number. And, 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 and I will say and I've said this before, look, Trump. The only person Trump can beat is Biden, and the only person Biden can beat is Trump. I do believe that. Like it's a death match with these two, which I, uh, again, I, I, I don't love that matchup right now. I, I, and believe me, I would definitely support President Trump in that. It's because he's just much more competent. But, but when you look at this, and you have seventy three percent of Americans saying you're too old. I mean, holy cow! You're, you're, I mean, that's a devastating number. It is a devastating number. And add to that, though, Mark, that we're talking about uh, his age and, and obviously how he's handling situations. But think about also the fact that Republicans, um, they, they're not going to give up on these investigations. They're going after uh, more and more information. I mean, recently, I think James Comer uh, is he's going to be subpoenaing. Uh, is it, he subpoenaed um, DHS Secretary Mayorga and some uh, Secret Service uh, right uh, yeah. uh, officers. And what I'm saying is, I don't know. Think about this. If we're talking about his age and how he's handling uh, just basic uh, decorum, right, or or, right. or interviews, then then how is he processing all that is going on about the things that are being exposed? Whether obviously he expected them to be or not, and what's he's not, he's not he's unbriefable now, Fior. Like when you sit down, and you tell him something. And right. then he goes out, he cannot retain it. He can't possibly retain it. And, and so that's the part of it that's devastating. And also you start looking at some of the some of the voting blocks that that make him who he is, right? Some of the voting blocks who got him to the presidency. And, and, and really it's African American supporters. And if you look at those numbers, yes. African American support for the president is down. Now, now if you look here, what we've got is this is in 2020, mm -hmm. Biden got 91% of the African American vote. OK, in 2023, the latest poll from Fox News, he's got 61 to Trump's 20 percent. That is not insignificant. Now, I'm not saying Trump's going to win African-American voters. He's not. Right. but He doesn't have to. Right. You know, it's so interesting you bring that up because I, I was recently just even preparing to speak with you uh, right now that um, because I keep hearing uh, this, uh, this all this talk on social media and through some colleagues about the African-American vote, especially in the urban community, like among rappers and and hip hop in, in the whole prosecution, making sure. I mean, heck, you know, they're, they're going to go and have them go through trial leading up to Super Tuesday. This so much of this is political and it, we don't have to get into all that. But but yeah. I will say this, too, on the other side, and that is that m numbers have come out from the Wall Street Journal as well. And yeah. those numbers show neither man is popular at all with the American people. And, we, and we've talked about this. The middle of the electorate is really tough on Trump. And now every every voting block is becoming tough for Biden. So that's why I think it's very possible we could still be looking at here a very different general election on both sides both republican and democratic sides here i think biden's out i agree with mike i think biden's going to be done but it, i'll tell you this much and here's what scares me if you are let's say uh if you're a republican sitting around and gavin newsom suddenly slides in and he's the nominee yeah that dead even presidential race goes to newsom by five like that's gonna in all because the and if you think the media is going to stand up and make Gavin Newsom answer for his horrendous record in California. They won't do it. They won't do it at all. Oh, they will. So not. therefore, this is going to be one of those issues that's going to be interesting. And I have this little theory. I was wondering if I could test it out on you. <laughs> sure. Are you ready? Okay. Here's the theory, and we'll, we'll wrap with this. I'll get you out of here on this. Okay. okay. The, the pressure continues to mount on Biden. They yes. sweep him out of the way. Okay. Yes. Boom. Gavin Newsom comes in. All of a sudden you see a gap develop because in the middle of the electorate, they're like, well, we don't we don't hate Newsom. We don't you know, and the media is never going to point anything negative out about Newsom's horrendous record. And so all of a sudden Trump's behind. He says, wait a minute. 
What if Trump looks at this and says, I may not be able to beat Newsom. And if I can't beat Newsom, I've got massive legal problems continuing to pile up. And I may need help from the president of the United States to pardon me, a pardon that I probably deserve. So it might make sense for me right now to handpick the person that I think can beat Gavin Newsom, tell the Republican Party, get on board with this person, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, whoever, and then go after and beat Newsom so Trump can keep himself out of legal jeopardy. Your thoughts? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Mark, I don't know. I mean, have you ever thought about making movies? Because it's it. like a really good plot. I think I that's what we're going for. Yes. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's okay. So, but the way you put it, the way you put it, I mean, everything has an explanation. I, I can see how if we were really going to go there. But then the question, I guess, for me would be, well, who would Trump? And this is this is all things considering uh, his personality, how he is, his track record. Who yeah. would he consider uh, to be the one that could run in his place? That he but would he, tell the Republican Party, get back, get behind okay, him. Okay, well, that, that's the point, though. He gets to make the call. And that's what's interesting. And okay. you'll get Trump's true opinion. Everybody would say, oh, it'd be Vivek. Not if not. No, because Vivek, Vivek is a phony. And so, therefore, Trump is not going to put his yeah. future in Vivek's hands. He's going to put it in someone's hands who he thinks can drive the truck home. I think DeSantis yes. or Haley? I, DeSantis, Haley, Scott, maybe one of the three. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know who, how, he, how he feels. But I'm just saying I think one of the three of them would be the most likely choice. And he would ha- he'd make a cold, hard decision because he'd have to make the best decision. So I'm entertaining it. I'm entertaining it, Mark, but I'm going to go ahead and stick with this for now. I think that uh, I think that Donald Trump is going to is going to go through with this no matter who. Okay, Uh, so it doesn't matter. So, okay, I I believe that Trump is going to go through this uh, head on. And and we're gonna see we're gonna see the results in in real life and color. I'll I'll, I'll well no, and it, it look could be and 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 again my thought is not that Trump should be should be convicted of any of this, but just right. given where some of these charges have been been filed, yeah. he is in yeah. real legal jeopardy, and, yes, and so sir. therefore that could be the point that where it all kind of comes to a head. All right, Fjord, good stuff. This is good stuff. Good work. Yes, yes, you well, too. Hey, thanks for taking the time. We appreciate it. And of course, uh, you can check you out on Victory News. What shows are you on if people want to check them out? Oh, yes, I am on at 12 Eastern and 5 p.m. Eastern every single day. Yes, it's govictory.com. Exactly. No, that's great. We'll see you again soon. Yes, and I'm praying for her dad. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. We need yeah. it. Thank you. For her. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Take care. Bye. Listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. Back to your hosts, Christy and Mark Ronchetti. All right. Thank you to Fior Hernandez from Victory News. And Ella, we've got one more story before we wrap this up. One more story? Yeah. Did you see this on New York Post? I did. I saw it a few days ago. Okay. Actually, I didn't read it. This is fascinating. So uh, this is a story. uh, He's a doctor who studied 5,000 near-death experiences. And he has a conclusion. A radiation oncologist in Kentucky who has studied more than 5,000 near-death experiences believes his research has proven the existence of an afterlife without a doubt, he says. Dr. Jeffrey Long founded the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation in 1998, having become fascinated with those near-death experiences. And he says, essentially, that there's there's a few different baskets that these things fall into as far as new death experience or near death experiences go. But, but he said, there's, there's a couple that, that are kind of interesting that you get a lot of people that talk about these similar things. And he says, in the face of overwhelming evidence, I've come to believe there's certainly an afterlife. He says, and he said about 45% of patients reported out of body experience long examined that people claim their consciousness separates from their physical bodies. So he said he cited the case of a woman, which I thought was interesting, of a woman who lost consciousness while she was riding a horse on a trail. Her consciousness traveled with her horse as it galloped back to the barn. She was later able to describe exactly what happened at the barn, even though her body was never physically there. That's crazy. That is crazy. crazy. Oh, it's unbelievable. So, you know, it's the bright light, it's the different sorts of things. And obviously, you know, we've been pretty clear that we believe in an afterlife and we're, 
we're big fans of the afterlife, <laughs> certainly. So have you ever had, have you ever known anyone who's had a, a near-death experience? A near, I Anybody's mean, parents, anything like that? I don't. No? I don't think so. So no? I, yeah. You so, did. Yeah, I did? You did. I didn't. You did. Oh, with the bear? Oh, I was going to uh, say oh, the yeah. motorcycle. Oh, yeah, when I was hit by a motorcycle? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have a, but I didn't, oh, you didn't like, yeah. shoot, yeah. Is that a near-death experience, though? I mean, I'm not sure. Okay, so should I tell that story quickly before yeah, we go? go ahead. All right, so I was eight years old, and I was riding my bike, and I was by myself. I can't believe you remember this. Uh, so I was riding my bike with a friend of mine. Uh, his name was Mike, and we were dri- riding up a hill, and coming the other direction was a motorcycle. And this guy came, somehow came over to my side of the road and hit me head on. And I ended up being thrown off the bike and my face hit the curb. Okay. And so that led to, I had a, a broken kneecap and I had cracked gum uh, from the back of my jaw and then up toward the front and ended up knocking, eventually ended up knocking out the front, my front teeth. And so I was eight years old. So I was a little, was a little guy, you know? And um, so I go to the hospital and we get taken care of. My mom's there and everything else. We're all set to go. Um, the next week in church, um, I went with my parents, I'm on crutches and my face looks like a, you know, a basketball. And, um, in the back of the church, there's a gentleman, um, who I firmly believe now, remember this guy hit me and then took off. He didn't stick around. So he left me there laying on the ground. Um, the next week at church, he was in the back of the church. He had curly, he had curly brown hair and he couldn't take his eyes off me. And, and I knew it was him and I, I, I don't, I wasn't angry per se. I, I was too young for that, I guess. Uh, I, I thought he might say something to me, but he disappeared. It was middle of mass. I looked back, he was right there and he looked like he'd seen a ghost. Like he was looking, I don't know. I had never seen him at church and I never saw him since. Now, crazy. now, I don't think that's a near death experience, but well, who gets hit by a motorcycle at eight years old? You know, well, not, it's I like mean, you died. hopefully nobody should. Well, well, it was a, it was a tough deal. It was a, it was a quite a, quite a recovery, but, um, but yeah, it wasn't like life or death. I wasn't ready to die, but I, or I wasn't right on that edge, but, but yeah, I'll never forget looking back at him and, and I looked back at him and he just looked, he looked sorry. I mean, he just looked, he looked torn up and I, and I'm willing to bet he was probably a lot more torn up by having left the accident than if he just stayed with me. Yeah. So I think that was a mistake on his part. And I bet you it's one he still regrets, but I made it through and I hold no grudges. Ella. So thank yeah. you for bringing up my own. I didn't realize I had my own near death experience, <laughs> but okay. So that's it for now. Christy will be back with us on Monday. She'll be back in town. There she is. And let's just have a quick moment of silence for Christy. Okay. Good. She's doing good stuff with her dad though. She's uh, she got him up and going again. And he had a, he had a fall. And, um, and she's helping them get all set up and, uh, it's, it's going, they're making real progress, which is good, which we feel really good about. So thanks for taking the time to listen. We appreciate it. Thank you for all the support. Things are rolling. There's no doubt. We feel very good about where things are. No doubt about it else. Else. Thanks for being my co-host today, by the way. Oh, of course. I'm always here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because I make you <laughs> mainly. <laughs> Whatever. I'm, I'm still here. All right. I'm well, all right. I appreciate it. And so we will see you on Monday and we've got some great, uh, guests coming up as well over the next month. We've got some really good people locked in. I'll start talking about who they are uh, next week, but they're going to be very, very good. Some people talking about uh, the marijuana issue, talking about climate change, uh, talking about energy. Some some really key things are on the way. So the No Doubt About It podcast is rolling, and we thank you very much for being with us, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the No Doubt About It podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at No Doubt About It Podcast. No Doubt About It. The No Doubt About It Podcast is a Choose Adventure Media production.